If you have a copy of God's Word, turn to 1 John chapter 3. This is a difficult section here, and I appreciate your prayers. We'll be reading, uh, we're going to read 4 through 10, and we're going to preach through 4 through 6. Let's begin reading with verse 4. Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. And you know that he was manifested to take away our sins. In him is no sin. Whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither know him. Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. He that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him. And he cannot sin because he is born of God. In this the children of God are manifest and the children of the devil. Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God. Neither, neither he that loveth not his brother. May we pray. Father, may you open up the word to our understanding. Bless us, encourage us, build us up in the faith. In the name of Jesus Christ, we do pray. Amen. Upon reading this, you can say, boy, this is difficult verses. Is it saying that we cannot sin? Is it saying if we sin, we're of the devil? From the outward appearance, it seemed to be saying that. But if you get, if you look into it more and more as we do by God's grace, I hope by God's uh, uh, grace this morning be able to bring out to you what these verses are teaching. It's very encouraging when you think about what God has given us in 1 John. We're going to review 1 John chapter 1, verses 7 through 10, so that you can better understand sections, verses 4 through 10. So we're going to back and do a little review. It'll help you to understand this better. And this is encouraging to encourage you. John says in verse 7, But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanses us from all sin. Now, two key words in this verse. One is walk. And the walk there is in the present tense. It's a habitual walk. It's your coming from your character. You habitually walking in the light. And then the word cleanseth. It's in the same present tense. The blood of Christ is continually cleansing us from all sin. That's the encouraging part to us, that we are being cleansed continually by the blood of Jesus. To walk in the light is, first of all, to confess sin. As we walk in the light, we see our sins. Did you ever take a real bright light and go into a room It seemed to be clear? And you'd shine that 500 bulb 
light into the room, and all of a sudden you see dust particles. You couldn't see it before. This is the way it is when we walk in the light. As we walk in the light, we see our shortcomings, we see our sins, and the thing we're to do, we're to immediately confess those sins, and His blood is cleansing us from those sins. So first of all, to confess sin is to walk... Let me go back. To walk in the light is first of all to confess sin. To walk in darkness is to ignore or to not to deny sin. So if you're walking in darkness, you're not being honest with God. To be honest with God, we must confess sin. What does confess mean? We'll get down to this in a second, but it means to agree with God. John said in 1 John 2, 1, My little children, these things write unto you that you sin not. Nowhere does John encourage us to sin. Grace does not lead to sin. Grace leads to holiness. To ignore, uh, going back, and if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Jesus is an advocate for who? For sinners. When we sin, He's there for us. Thank God for that. And what are we to do? We confess our sins. And the blood cleanses us and that sin has been dealt with. That's how we continue to walk in the light. By honest confession. What is clear is that if we walk in the light, God has made provision to purify us from whatever sin would over, over otherwise would mar our fellowship with Him and with each other. God is cleansing us from sins we're not aware of. Who can name every sin he committed this week? I couldn't. You don't know all of them. Sins of omission, sins of commission, sins of thought. I mean, it's overwhelming. But that blood of Jesus is continually cleansing us from all sin. All sin. We must walk in the light of his holy self-revelation. In other words, we should walk in the light of his word. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and the light unto my path. As you walk in the word of God, you're walking in the light. As the Holy Spirit sheds, sheds the light of God's spirit upon it, you'll see your sins. He'll bring those to your mind and you confess those and you're maintaining your fellowship with God, Brother Day. None of us are sinless. We commit acts of sin, but we don't practice sin. Now remember that. It's important to understand this section. Christians can commit acts of sin, but we do not live to sin. There's a difference. And this is what John is teaching here, is we're going to go through this and understand that this is important to you understand this, because it will help you in your Christian walk. Walking in the light is not describing the possession of spiritual life. He's not talking about spiritual life here. He's talking about fellowship. You don't lose your spiritual life when you get out of fellowship with God. Sin breaks fellowship, not our union with God. But the conduct life within a sphere of existence. The sphere is moral purity, not spiritual life. I don't lose my spiritual life when I commit an act of sin, but I do lose my fellowship with God. And that's why He's provided a way for us. Confess it, and it's removed. 
God has not left anything. He's provided everything that we need for life and godliness. Granted, one must be spiritually alive to walk in the realm of light. You have to be born again to walk in the light. Those who are dead in trespasses and sins can't walk in the light. Paul makes clear a regenerate child of God who has been transferred from Satan's power into Christ's kingdom. Colossians 1.13, who had delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son, goes on to say, and delivered us from the power of sin, still may be a slave of sin. Romans 6, 12-14. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield you your members of this as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, but you are not under the law, but under grace. At the moment we sin, at that moment we become slaves to a certain extent to sin. But God has provided a way for us. Confession, it's forgiven and removed. It's, it's removed from us. And a child of God cannot live habitually in sin. This is what God, John is teaching here in these verses. And that's why we have to pay confessed up. One man said, I was reading years ago about sin. He said, hold short accounts with God. Don't let them pile up. Don't let your sin just keep piling up, piling up, piling up. And if you read a book of Hebrew, there's warning that we should warn those who, uh, who, who have fallen into sin to immediately confess it and forsake it. Why? Because your heart will get hardened, hardened, hardened as you stay in it. And that's the danger of sin. This is the sense being communicated by John in this passage. Even John can step out of fellowship with God if he fails to walk in God's moral sphere, or if he walks, if he doesn't walk in purity and walk in God, keeping God's commandments and following the Lord, he could get out of fellowship. He concluded himself in this. Verse eight. Now this is, is, is important that you understand verse eight and verse ten. Because this will help you understand the next chapter, verses 4 through 10. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. Thus John is looking at sin as a principle, as a nature, not acts of sin. But where sin come from? It comes from a sinful nature. If we say that we have no sinful nature... He says, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. There's some walking around saying, I don't have a sinful nature. It's been eradicated. It's been removed. I don't sin anymore. God said, they're deceived. They're deceived. One person said, just give me five minutes with your wife and I'll let you know whether you're sinless or not. <laughs> and that's true. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Oh, God has provided a way, beloved, for us to confess. Confess our sins. Confess your sin. Agree with God. 
God said it. He's right. I'm wrong. I'm confessing it. And I'm going to stay in fellowship with the Lord. He is faithful. Oh, I love that. God is faithful. Great is thy faithfulness. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, plural, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I'm glad he said all unrighteousness. There's nothing in the Christian's life that God's blood, the blood of Christ, won't cleanse us from. Hallelujah. I don't care what you do in word or in deed in thought, that blood can cleanse us from all sin. And every time we sin, we're, you know that sin is what nailed Jesus to the cross. He bore our sins, plural, in His body on the tree. Oh, beloved, we should hate sin. So we see here in verse 9 that confession, as we confess, He's faithful, God the Father is, and just to forgive us our sins and to continually cleanse us from all sin that we can maintain what? Our fellowship, not our union with God. We're still His children when we sin, but we want to maintain our fellowship. As we're going to see, there is some warnings, there is encouragement in these verses, and there is some warnings in these verses. Cleanse us from all sin. The present tense underlines that such confession is to be our standing, our standing practice whenever sin do occur. When you sin, what are you supposed to do? Confess it immediately. When the Holy Spirit convicts you, confess it. And it says the blood of Christ will clean, continue cleansing you from all sin that you may maintain your fellowship with God. That's a blessing. Fellowship. That God, the Father, the Creator of the world would humble Himself to the point that He would have fellowship with creatures like us. Sinful creatures. Remember the verse we read earlier. Behold, what manner of love the Father bestowed upon us that we should be called the children of God. We're His children. He loves us. And He proved it by giving us His nature. We have a new, we're born again, born of the Spirit. We have the nature of God that we can be imitators of God as dear children. As His children, we should be imitating God. What a blessing, beloved. What a blessing. Sin here is singular in number and is used without the definite article, all pointing to the fact that the nature is referred to and not acts of sin. When a person says, if we say that we have no sin, singular, that's referring to the sinful nature. Romans chapter 6 is dealing with the sinful nature. And then we come down to verse 10. Now verse 8 and verse 10 gives us a better understanding of chapter 3 when we look at those verses. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. The question is how is the claim here, we have no sin in verse 8, different from the claim in this verse we have not sinned. The claim in one eight denies having a sinful nature. Now remember that. In verse 8, he's, that person is claiming not to have a sinful nature. But in verse 10, 
while the claim here denies having committed sinful acts. It's in the perfect tense, which means something that happened in the time past that he doesn't have a sinful nature and that present he has not, he's not committing any sinful acts. He's deceiving himself. One is talking about the sinful nature in verse 8. In verse 10, he's dealing about not having any sins to confess. He's sinless. We do know, we do not have sin, present tense. In verse 8, and we have not sin, perfect tense. In verse 10, again, he's saying, going back, I have no sin even in my past. I'm sinless. Now that's what he's dealing with in verse 8 and verse 10. If we say that, we're deceiving ourselves. Deceiving ourselves. It's indicating a denial that there is sin in the past whose guilt must be dealt with in the present. That's what a person is saying. I have no sin in the past to confess. John said he's the liar. And the truth is not in him. Beloved, none of us are free from sins. In the sense of committing acts of sin. And sin, when you think about sin... In the negative sense, sin, sin, to sin means literally missing the mark. That's one of the definitions of sin, missing the mark. Another definition of sins is a deviation from what is right or from righteousness. If a person is not doing righteousness, he's doing unrighteousness, wickedness. But essentially, an active rebelling against God's known will is the transgression of the law. That's what sin is. It's a, a willful rebelling against God's known will. Now, this is where we come down to where we live. There's times in all our lives when we face decisions where we know that we are willfully rejecting God's known will. None of us can escape that. There's times in your life you will be faced with that. It's not always easy situation. But I want you to understand, and I want my, me to understand, myself, that when we do that, it's, it's a rebelling against the sovereignty of God. It's saying no to God, I'm going to do what I want to do, and that's it. Beloved, that is a dangerous place to be in. For anyone, myself, you, or anyone, when we get in those situations. Remember what Paul said, let him think that he stand, take heed lest he fall. We're all liable to get into those situations through temptations in the world. But I'm glad that when we get in those situations and we can't seem to get out of those situations, we have someone above who loves us, the Father. And he said, whom he loves, he chastens. He'll chase in every son and every daughter, and he'll bring us back. But remember, the Bible says it's a fearful thing to fall in the hands of the living God. God deals with us with sons and daughters, but it can become very strong. But we got to remember how bad sin is. Sin is lawlessness, rebelling against God's will. The question is, is the author teaching sinless perfection? Is John teaching sinless perfection here? 
How is this verse related to verses 1, 8 through 10 and 2, 2, which teaches believers sin? Now here I have a thing I want to read to you. The present tense indicates that continual lifestyle is, re- is referred to everyone remaining in him does not habitually sin. A, sal- a child of God who's born again of the Spirit of God does not habitually sin day after day after day after day. It's not his lifestyle. He doesn't live to sin. The world, those who are lost, they live to sin. They take pleasures in unrighteousness. They take pleasures in sin. A child of God. You know, it says about Job when he was in, in Solomon and Gomorrah that, that it vexed his righteous soul from day to day. Sometimes we get caught in situations, but in, 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 in reality, it vexes our soul that we're in the situation. The trouble is we don't know how to get out of it. We all have been there at certain times in our life. This allows for single acts of sin. The use of the aorist in 2.1 concerned acts of sin, while the present tense here implies continuance in sin, describes the character of the believer. If a person is living in sin, he does not have the new nature. If he's born again, when they fall into sin, they confess their sin. And then if we don't, God the Father deals with us. We gotta be true to the Word and true to real life situations. We don't lose our, our, our childhood by falling into sin. I want to emphasize that. John is dealing with fellowship. You don't cease to be a child of God when you fall into sin, but you do lose your fellowship. And then God's will for us is to confess our sins. If we don't immediately confess our sins, remember, He then would deal with us as sons and daughters in chastisement. And I can say this from experience, He'll win. There's no fighting against God in winning. This brings us down now to 1 John chapter 3, verse 4. God has provided for our needs through confession, through the blood cleansing us from all sin. And we provide an advocate, Jesus Christ the righteous. He's there waiting for us. When we confess, Jesus is right there with an open arm, coming to me, all you that are and heavy laden, and I will give you rest for your souls. I'll restore your joy, your peace. There's nothing greater than the joy of the Lord, Brother Day. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And when we lose that joy as Christians, we're miserable. I don't care if it's Brother Rhodes, Brother Roger, Brother Dave, or who it is. When we lose our joy, it's miserable. You're miserable. Now, First John 3, 4. Whosoever committeth sin transgresses also the law. For sin is the transgression of the law. In other words, everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. What do we see today in our society, Brother Dave? Lawlessness. As you mentioned this morning, we're seeing right in front of our eyes in our nation, lawlessness. And what is that? God says sin is lawlessness. They're committing sin. They're rebelling against God's authority. God's one who sets up nations to take care of evil. 
And when they don't, lawlessness will occur. And God would deal with this nation. Again, as I said, sin is missing the mark. Sin is unrighteousness. Sin is rebelling, active rebelling against God's known will. It's doing what is prohibited and it's omitting what is commanded. And this is how serious sin is, beloved. We all have to deal with it, Brother Dave. All of us. We have to deal with sin daily. There's not a person in this congregation who can say, I'm without sins in my life. But I hope we can say by the grace of God that I don't live to sin. That my, it's not my ambition to live in habitual sinning every day and rebelling against the authority of my God and rebelling against Jesus Christ, rebelling against the Father's sovereignty, rebelling against God, showing that I've never been born again. That's what John is teaching here. Now, I can prove that in a second as we go on into this. Remember, it's a refusal to live in accordance with the revealed standards of right and wrong. God has revealed to us how to live. We're either going to agree with it and follow the Lord, or we're going to rebel against it. Then we come down to verse 5. And we know that He was manifested, that He is talking about Jesus Christ, to take away our sins, plural. And in Him is no sin. To take away our sins, literally sins, plural. We have multitudes of sins, as I mentioned earlier. The plural is in keeping with John's concern here with the actual practice of sin rather than the sinful inner nature. The Lord took away our sins, but not didn't take away our sinful nature. Our sinful nature is still within us. People can can profess, oh, I don't have a sinful nature anymore. It's been eradicated. They're deceived. They're lying. Jesus took away our sins, plural. To take away means to lift, to bear away. He took them away. Hallelujah. For a professed believer to persist in the practice of sin reveals that he is still spiritually blind to the purpose and work of Christ or or demonstrates that he is willfully scorns and rejects the demands of Christ upon his daily conduct. Now remember, Jesus Christ is our Lord. When we When we're buried, we baptized, we go under the water, we sing we died to sin, we come out of the water. We're renewed in spiritual life to walk in newness of life. So we're professing to, if we if we continue to re- practice sin, we're saying that we're, we don't realize the purpose of Christ. He came to remove sin, to take it away. What does it mean to take away sin? It, re- it, it refers to taking away the penalty of sin. I would never have to fear about being judged for the penalty of sin because Jesus bore that penalty in his body on the tree. Hallelujah. And for my love to him, I should be obedient to him. Put him first in my life. And enjoy that wonderful fellowship with the Father and with his Son, with the Holy Spirit, and with one another. 
It means expiation. It means the atonement, reconciliation, and blotting out sins. That's how he took our sins away. He blotted them out to no more be brought up against us. It says our sin was imputed to him and his righteousness was imputed to us. When he died on the cross, he died for every sin, all our sins. He atoned for those sins. The penalty has been paid. Hallelujah. And remember, the plural sins is to indicate all the individual sins that we commit. The plural includes cleansing from sins committed in the past to those committed in the present. The blood takes everything away, Brother Day, Brother Rots. The blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. All sin. And what is the significance of being no sin in Him? It means that Jesus Christ, He did not have a sin nature as we do. Because His eternal nature is without sin. So it's emphasizing His holiness, His character. He was not peccable. He could not have sinned because He did not have a sinful nature. He was holy, harmless, undefiled, separated from sinners. It says in 1 John 3, 5, when you know that He was manifested to take away our sins, and in Him is no sin. Hebrews 4, 15 says, For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. It says in John 8, 12, Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness but should have the light of life. If you're following Jesus, you're walking in the light. Because he said you shall not walk in darkness. And in, in chapter 12, 46, he says, I am come a lot into the world, that whosoever believeth on me should now abide in darkness. We're not to abide in darkness. Paul said in Ephesians 5, 8, For you were sometimes darkness. We all were sometimes children of wrath, even as others. But now are you light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Beloved, let us walk is what we profess to be. If we profess to be Christians, Paul said that everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Why? Because you profess to be walking in the light, which is Jesus Christ. Let us depart from iniquity. He says in verse Colossians 1.12, giving thanks unto the Father, which had made, made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. We're called saints in light. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 5, it says, You are all children of light and children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. There's the difference between the children of God and the children of the devil, beloved. And in verse 6, he says, Whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither knoweth, knows him. It's important that you understand these verses because they are very, very real to us. The word abideth and sinneth are here to designate a certain class of individuals 
Character is shown by one's habitual actions. In other words, those who are habitually living in sin is showing that they have the nature of God. They've been born again. Those who are living in wickedness and ungodliness in the world and following Satan and his, his wickedness are showing their character. They're children of the devil. There is no middle ground. You're either one or the other. John is not asserting that is in that it is impossible for believers to commit occasional acts of sin. He has already pointed to the provision made for such an emergency by means of confession, 1 John 1 9, and Christ's activity as his people's advocate, 1 John 2 1, and he has warned his readers against unfounded claims to be sinless or within or without, 1 John 1 8 and 10. What he does assert is that sinful life does not mark a child of God. It's not characteristic of a child of God to habitually being sinning, sin habitually. So that anyone who leads such a life is showing thereby not to be a child of God. I know this is str- strong language, but this is coming from God's word. This is what we have to face. John does not teach that believers do not sin, but is speaking of character, a habit, the relationship of maintaining in him implies obedience to him. John 15.10 says, If you keep my commandments, you should abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. The evidence is keeping his commandments. Do we have a desire to obey the Lord? And Jesus said, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Of such a one, John asserts that he sinneth not, does not continue to willful, to be in willful, habitual sin. And we're going to get down to this when I get down to the point. Whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither knows him. Whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither knoweth him. It's talking about people they do not, they have never seen the Lord spiritual with a spiritual eye. And they don't know him, Genosco, by experience. They never experienced salvation. And why, why are you saying that, John? John's saying because they live habitual, sinful life. They have no fellowship with God. Seen and know are in the perfect tense, implying that he has neither seen nor known God in the past, with the present result that he is still invisible and unknown to him, to see with discernment. They have never seen God with discernment. Discernment. John is teaching that a child of God does not practice sin as a habit. Now I'm going to read you some verses. We're going to read some verses here. And I'm going to try to bring this out to you. First John chapter 2 verse 29 will be our first one. If you know that he is righteous... You know that everyone that doeth righteousness is born of him. The word doeth there is in the present tense. And it's what it's saying that you know the one that is practicing righteousness is born of God. That's what that verse is teaching. Now let's look at 1 John 3, 4. 
Whosoever committeth sin transgresses also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. The word committeth there is in the present tense. What it's saying, whosoever practices sin transgresses the law. He's talking about a habit of life. If you are practicing sin as a habit, you've never been born again. Now there's a difference between a child of God and the child of the devil. And this is how we can discern the two. In 3.4 he says, For sin is the transgression of the law. The word lawlessness is lawlessness there. It also means to practice. In verse 7 he says, Okay, yeah. Will of children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, is righteous even as he is righteous. So the word doeth there is in the present tense. He, he that is practicing righteousness is righteous. Again, it's talking about a practice, like a habit, a matter of life. Now verse eight. He that committeth sin is of the devil. He that is practicing sin is of the devil. It doesn't mean to commit an act of sin because we all commit acts of sin. But there's been a provision made for that through confession and through cleansing where we restore our fellowship. But John is saying those who live to sin, those who are practicing sin is of the devil. I love the devil. He's the, he's the author of sin. He's the one who brought sin into the world. The devil sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that He might destroy the works of the devil. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. Now, a child of God is not to imitate the devil, but to imitate God, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We're to be imitators of God as dear children. Verse 10. In this, the children of God are manifest, and the children of the devil. Whosoever doeth not righteousness, whosoever is not practicing righteousness, is not out of God. Neither he that loveth not his brother. So John is dealing with a habit of life in all of these verses. You, if you're practicing sin as a habit, if you're living to sin, you're not, you're not of God, you're of the devil. And I know that's, that's strong language. When I studied that this week, I said, boy, this is pretty strong. This is strong information here, but John is, he, he gets down to where we live. No gray, black or white. You're either a child of God or a child of the devil. How can you know the difference? John says, if we are habitually living in sin, we have not been born again. Now there can be an exception to that in the sense that if we've got into a sin and God's dealing with us, he takes his time to chasten his children, but he will bring every one of his children back. I believe that with all my heart, that if one of God's children get into sin, God will bring them back to His joy and fellowship with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That chasing may be difficult, but as I say, I believe God, He's omnipotent God, He's all-powerful. He knows how to deal with us. How did He deal with Jonah? When He got through with Jonah, Jonah says, Salvation's of the Lord. He, the whale spit him back up on the earth. And that's how he deals with you and I. Yes, we, we can go out and do our thing. But remember, we have to face the chastening of God. No exceptions. Whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. So I hope this will help you a little bit to understand this section. He's talking about practice of sin. 
Remember in Genesis 3.15 it says, And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy heel, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Ed, thou shalt bruise his heel. Beloved, ever since the garden, there's been a battle going on. Now, a few verses for encouragement. 1 John 4.4 4 says, You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Take courage, take courage, beloved. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. John 5, verse 4, 1 John, For whosoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world. Even our faith, objective faith, our faith in the word of God overcomes the world. For in Jesus Christ neither circumcision faileth anything, nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. Ephesians 3.12 says, In whom we have boldness and access with confidence by faith of Him. Praise God. That's a strong verse there. 3.20, one of my favorite verses. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask to think. Oh, you don't understand my situation. Beloved, God is able to undo any situation. Any situation. According to the power that worketh in us. Philippians 2, 12, 13 says, Wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Notice this part. For it is God which worketh in you both the will and to do of his good pleasure. He's working in your life, though you're not aware of it. See, he was working behind the scene when Joseph was in prison, though Joseph didn't know it. Find my brother and be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Where's our strength in the Lord? Hebrews 13 says, Now the God of peace that brought, brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory Forever and ever. Amen. Everything God does, He does it through Jesus Christ for our good. Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who's infusion strength through me. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be you steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. It's not vain to serve God. Revelation 12, 10 through 11. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now has come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of His Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accuses them before our God day and night. And they overcame him, the devil, by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And notice this last part. And they loved not their lives unto death. They were total commitment to Christ. That's what I need and that's what you need. To be total commitment to Christ. No matter what I want, if it's against the will of God, I'm going to refuse it. That's a decision you must make. That's the decision I must make. There is no exception to the rule. He is to be first in our lives. So, beloved, I pray that this message will help you to understand God's Word. Sin is a serious thing. It brought Christ from heaven to the cross. 
May we be thankful for that. Does anyone have a song in closing?